Hello, and welcome to our latest Human Givens Ask the Expert podcast. I'm Julia Wellstead, and I'm part of the Human Givens team. Our expert today is Sue Saunders, who has over 30 years experience as a trainer, coach, and psychotherapist. Sue also has extensive experience in the corporate world, particularly in IT. Uh, now, Sue is Educational Director for Human Givens College and teaches many of our courses, including the new course, Improving Relationships at Home, at Work and in the Community, which is why we're thrilled to have her with us today to discuss what does a positive friendship look like? Hello, Sue. How are you? I'm very well, Julia. I'm delighted to be here. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Um, now, this is obviously a subject that resonates with many people. Uh, we've received lots of questions for this podcast. And I think the first two of our listeners' questions, uh, how important is friendship to our being? And do we need to have friends to be able to thrive? Or is communication with the wider community enough? I think those two questions actually provide the opportunity for Sue, if you don't mind, uh, to give a bit of background about the importance of connection and intimacy. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so if, if, I, if I begin to approach this from the point of our basic needs, um, we're all born extremely dependent. We're, we're all completely vulnerable and dependent on a relationship to survive as babies. If we come into this world, we're completely dependent on another human being in order to survive until uh, we get to a point, um, probably within your teenage years, when you begin to break away from those original caregivers, that family, we, if we make an assumption that it's your family, you break away from the family and begin to develop um, strong, intimate bonds with other humans, and that's usually your peer group. Um, and that's why the peer group becomes so important in teenage years um, because of the fact that you've broken away from your family. So we're born with this need, with this need for connection, with this need for connection with at least one other human being, but also with a group or a community. So if you like, the we're born with that, that need for intimacy with our initial caregiver, but also to belong to a group. So they're hugely interconnected, those two needs. And our own personal resilience as an individual um, is interwoven with the quality and of those connections, those friendships and communities to which we belong. And we see those two needs, with the need for intimacy and friendship, and the need for belonging to community is really essential. And it is, you're absolutely right, it is um, one of the um, things that bring people into therapy quite a lot because those relationships or those communities are broken down in some way. Or those friendships are um, have, having developed, probably initially as a very positive thing in somebody's life, have in some way morphed into something negative that is really causing somebody difficulty, whether that's a community or whether it's an individual friendship. Um, because maintaining um, happy personal friendships and relationships, or even belonging to, uh, holding a group as being a positive um, force in, one, in someone's life is a very tricky thing. It's not straightforward. They can you know, neglect or stress or, inattention can break can lead to relationships breaking down and conflict um ensuing as a result 
if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely, Sue. Very, very well said. And um, I think that brings us actually nicely on to uh, the next question, which is what does a positive friendship look like? And how can you tell a positive from a negative friendship? But, but you know, these nominalizations, perhaps first it'd be good to unpack what is a positive friendship, what does it look like, and a negative one. Okay. Um, well, let's look at friendship first of all. Um, the great philosopher Aristotle um, divided friendship into three different types of friendships, which I think is, a, is still a really useful um, way to actually look at a friendship. He, he, he came up with the idea that there were three, three levels. One which was, one type of friendship was utility. Um, so whereby a friendship, it served a purpose. So you can imagine a situation where um, you have somebody else in your life because they, I don't know, they're a good sports person or a squash player or somebody. And so they become a friend because they meet that need to, they're useful to go and play squash with. But beyond that, they're not really very useful. Or, um, you know, they might be somebody to go on holidays with because they're also a single person and you need a single person to go on holidays with. So that's one level of friendship. Another level of friendship could be that you, that the two individuals have great, great, you know, it's based on pleasure, what Aristotle calls pleasure. You have great fun and they provide entertainment for one another, but that's as much as it goes. You're you hang around with someone because you have lots of fun. And the third kind of friendship that Aristotle um, spoke about um, is, a, is a very different type of friendship. It's based on what he calls goodness. And if we unpack that a bit, what he really means is it's based on a real respect for the integrity of the other person, their goodness, if you like. And again, I know that's a nominalization, but their their level of integrity, their level of um, their character, what Aristotle would have called their character, that they're a good person, basically. So you develop a friendship with that person because you have this great admiration. Now, obviously, that level of friendship, um, whereby it's based on a deep respect for someone else, will probably be much more longer lasting than the other two, which is based on utility or just having fun with the other person. So friendships can fall into different kinds of categories. And friendships then, depending on what kind of category it falls into, you'll have different expectations of the other person. Um, and expectations, your expectations of the other person is often where um, a relationship can break down or it can cement. So I have an expectation that you will behave in a certain way and you do. That can build up trust within a friendship. So trust... Um, trust and being able to predict how the other person responds is a really, really important ingredient in friendship. But probably the most important ingredient in friendship is the, um, is the exchange of attention. Um, so attention, again, from a human given's point of view, attention, giving and receiving quality attention is a basic human need. So if you like, a, a friendship um, is an opportunity to exchange positive attention with another human being. Um, it, the same goes for any life form. Whenever you've got a relationship with, you know, a plant, if you're a gardener or if you're an animal lover, 
you have to actually give the other life form some attention. If you have a plant, you have to water it. That's, um, such, that's some such a good will, analogy, yes. Yeah, some yes. people will actually talk to their plants. And I believe there's lots of research that if you talk to your plants, they grow better. Um, yes. you know, but so also, you our do- we were talking before this about our dogs. And of course, if yeah. we didn't give them attention uh, and practical yeah, things like food and water, they wouldn't survive. Yes. They would, the relationship demand, will, will break down between. So we give, we give attention to our animals and our plants and we also give attention obviously to other people and again depending on the quality of the attention that we give to other people um, our relationship will be healthy um, if you if you have a friendship and you never ever phone the person and you never you know invite them out to suggest you meet them or anything like that that relationship is not going to continue so it is about extension exchange and it's about the balance of that now obviously in a friendship that can ebb and flow and it should ebb and flow is if somebody's going through a rough time maybe you know the person who's going through the rough time needs needs more attention than in another time um and it would go through those because we all go through rough times but where you've got a relationship where all of the attention is going one way um and there isn't attention coming the other way again that that relationship over time is going to break down because one person's needs have not been met so how we actually develop good positive relationships is by the exchange of attention is is ensuring that we give time and attention to other people and i think that's becoming more and more of an issue um these days but it, i mean that's that's how humans survive is through um, good quality attention it's an emotional nutrition and we need yeah. it we need yes. it yeah absolutely so in there you've actually incorporated the next question there which was how can we create positive friendships but what i was hearing you say there if i'm correct is that there are there are these sort of three different types as aristotle said of levels mm. of friendship but we kind of need all three don't we it's it's not oh. to say that one is less important than the other Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We do. But it's important to understand, um, you know, the basis, the expectations you have. If you have a, a, if you have a friendship based on utility and, you know, you phone someone because you want to have a, a game of golf with them because they're a golfer, expecting that to be a really deep relationship, having an expectation that that person is going to really, you know, be there for you when you're in trouble, you know, your expectation may not be met. So having an understanding of the type of relationship you have with the various different people in your life and what you can realistically expect from that person helps you to, you know, to be more aware of your friendships and to have more realistic expectations um, of your friendships. And as I say, you know, your squash partner may not be the person that you go to in your time of need. They might, they, they may not be able to meet that need in you at all because all they all they're really interested in is how you how well you play your squash (laughs) of course (laughs) and of course there has to be a balance thereof as you also suggested there that um the person that you think of as the person that you can bear your soul to might not reciprocate with that so absolutely um, and i think that's sometimes where things go wrong is that you know, you have a you have a friendship based on on pleasure, and you go you go and have a great time together. You have lots of fun together, and then when you know you you go and you you look for them to in in times of need, and they just haven't got the ability to to support you in that time, and then we end up feeling very betrayed. 
but really it's down to our expectations of the other person was unrealistic. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's to understand that the level of friendship you have with that person is based on having fun. Um, yeah. And yeah. when yeah. there's no fun to be had and you're in times of need, they may disappear. Mm. Um, and this actually also, I'm just thinking as you speak, um, the, there's something I discussed in the newsletter last week about uh, not relying on one person to give everything in yeah. your life. So the person who plays squash may not be the person you can have an in-depth conversation with. But, Absolutely. you know, it's okay to have an array of friendships. That Oh, that I think it's really important to have things. an array. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I think it's really important to have, to have, you know, like the old phrase says, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. You know, to have have you know to to recognize that you have many different people in your life who meet many different needs in your life and that's that's healthy yeah that's very healthy if you put all your eggs in one basket and that person decides that they want to emigrate to australia it can really leave a huge hole in your life if it's a friendship absolutely uh, yes. or if yes. they you know something unfortunate happens to them so it, it is important to have an array of people that meet many needs within you yeah. Yes. Yes. Now, does this differ when we're creating friendships with work colleagues, for instance? Well, I think it does. I think it does. I think uh, work colleagues come together to complete a task, so they would fall into that utility level. Um, so, depending on the work you do, you meet someone, and um, your your relationship is cooperation to complete some kind of task, whatever your job is. Be you know, be that, that nursing or be that working in an organization, but you're there really to cooperate to get some tasks done. Now, that doesn't mean to say that that can't morph into, a, into a, a, a friendship, a deeper friendship, and it often does. It's often where we develop some of our closest relationships, be it at, in, in, in a university course or in work scenario. It's where we, where we really begin to get to understand the character of the person, the integrity of the person. And it often, you, you often do develop into that level of a deep respect for that other individual. And, you know, that deep respect often feels like I want to keep that person in my life because I really admire them. So it can morph into that. But work is one of those tricky situations whereby um, if the relationship, if the work relationship changes, it can often then cause a problem in the friendship. So if you have a very, if you develop a really deep friendship with somebody at work and they become they get promoted, so now they're your your boss, you've now got a situation of a dual relationship. You have a friendship and a, and a, um, a manager um, subordinate relationship, and that can really make things very confused. Once you have um, you develop what we, we call dual relationships, where you've, you've got two different kinds of relationships going on at the same time. And that can cause a problem because one person sees the other person as a friend and the, let's say the manager now has to step into a different role and they may have to give some, some kind of critical feedback to, the, to what was once their friend. So relationships within work can be tricky that way. People can sometimes manage them, but... And it is about the expectations. Are you my friend or are you now my boss? Um, that, can, can, that can cause difficulty. And it causes difficulty in lots of different situations. When, once there's a professional relationship and a personal relationship, 
trying to operate at the same time. Um, we, we see that often, actually, one place that you can often see that is in work scenarios where, um, um, where families are involved, uh, where, yes, of course. It's, you know, where, where a, a son might take over from a father or something and the relationship between the father and the son is a father and a son rather than um, a manager and or a senior manager and, an, and a manager that's coming up through the ranks that somebody's developing into a CEO or something. Um, so living in a rural community as I do, I see that very poignantly in farming in the farming community where the father has been the boss and the son or daughter is you know being made to do all the basic jobs and then gradually there's that sort of tipping mm. point if you like where it's the son or daughter who becomes the boss yeah and uh, so that that sort of change in power can be uh, yeah or who makes the decisions can be yeah. very very and difficult it can be tricky yeah. because you're really, what you're doing is you're you have a personal relationship and you have a work relationship or a professional relationship at the same time. And one will, you know, one will contaminate the other in a way. And that makes it very difficult because you'd have different ex expectations of your boss than you would have it of your father, for instance. Yes. They're two different things. And, and it's very tricky. Can you separate them out? And can you say, okay, now you're my boss during work hours and then in the evening say, no, you're my dad um, yeah. or you're my mom or whatever. It's, it's, it's tricky. It can be done, but it does, does take um, a, a very high level of self-awareness and of um, self-discipline and understanding of your own expectations to do it. It can be done, but it is tricky and it's often, it's often fraught. Um, now, Going back to friendships in general, mm -hmm. not to do with work so much, how can we make sure friendships stay positive? It's very interesting because um, really when it comes to friendships, you're talking about a relationship with two people and you're only really in control of one, which is yourself. Um, this is one of the difficulties with any kind of relationship with another human being. Um, oftentimes what we do is we focus on, well, the other person needs to do this and everything will be fine, whether that's a spouse or whether it's a work colleague or a friend. The, the only part of the relationship that you can actually take any responsibility for is your own side of the relationship. Um, we, and it's, it's the work of, of any kind of self-development or self-awareness is to really, really look at your your input your behavior in the relationship and and making changes in that um, you can't really determine what the other person does so if a relationship yes. is turning sour we can certainly look and see well what can i do to to bring it back on track um, is there something i need to take responsibility for do i need to have a, do i need to apologize for something we can do that um, but yeah, what we can't we, control we can't, is how the person responds to that. Yes, so I see that. It's always, yes. I mean, having a relationship or a friendship with someone else is always kind of um, an act of an act of faith in the other person, an act of trust. You're trusting the other person, but you have no control over the other person, really, at the end of the day. You have no control over their history and their past and their expectations. You have no control over how they might be how you might be reminding them of somebody in their past or how they might perceive something as a, as a huge betrayal 
that you never yes, intend. Yes, they, they might stop trusting you for some reason that you, you don't actually understand. So, so the only way you can you can make sure that a, a friendship stay positive is to manage your own side of it. Yeah, um, yeah. And similarly, I, with uh, uh, this question is phrased as, can a negative friendship ever turn into a positive friendship? And if so, how? But I, I guess we could ask the question the other way around as well, equally. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, most friendship starts off at positive. <laughs> um, yes, yes, it'd be uh, odd if it started turn, as a negative one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and turn negative. Something happens, um, and of course, of course, there's something you can do about it, um, because it really depends on. It depends on a number of different things. So, for instance, if there's some kind of breakdown of trust or betrayal um, with that other individual there's different things that will help you get to a point of being able to put that behind you if you if you if that's the goal that you want to to bring this friendship back on on track so one of the things that you need to look at was whatever the hurt or the betrayal that happened was it intentional um if if you feel that your friend hurt you intentionally or said something intentionally in order to hurt you, it's going to be much more difficult to, to come back into that friendship. Um, another thing that you need to look at is how vulnerable were you at that time? Because again, if somebody, if somebody said something or did something and you were particularly vulnerable at that time, whereas another time you mightn't have been vulnerable and it might've been water off a dog's back, but if you were very vulnerable, you might take that very much to heart and be very sensitive to it. So you can look and see, well, was the, was the betrayal intentional and was it done because I was vulnerable at the time? Now that's very difficult to come back from because it's almost like there's the situation of that phrase of somebody kicked me when I was down. Now, if it wasn't intentional and you were very vulnerable and very sensitive at the time, maybe it wasn't meant that way. Um, and that's something that can certainly be repaired. And again, how close is the relationship? If the relationship is a particularly close one and there's some kind of relationship, it's going to be more hurtful than if it's not a particularly close one. So if the other person, it really depends on the individual involved and the circumstances, but if the other person can own their side and begin to say, look, I didn't, I didn't intend that, um, it was it was meant as a joke or whatever. If they can begin to apologize and take responsibility for their side, in fact, that that very act of taking responsibility for their side in the in the relationship breakdown can actually deepen a friendship and not just bring it back on track, but make it stronger for the future. Yes. So, if, however, yes. Yeah. yeah, if, yeah. If, because what you've got there is you've got a situation whereby you can really be honest with another human being and they can really take their that your um your feelings on board and that can deepen the trust i can i can now trust you even more so can i you know in that situation i can it's so with, with good communication possible. and um, yeah exposing vulnerabilities and admitting yeah. mistakes yes and admitting anyway. mistakes and of course i'm i i i'm i'm guessing sue this is the sort of thing you'll go into in much more depth in the new course Absolutely. which is called improving relationships i think isn't it it is indeed it yeah. is indeed yeah brilliant yeah and then the um, other side of it is yeah. if, if if you feel that it was intentional and it was done you were kicked when you were down 
I mean, then obviously you've got to take on board that maybe this friendship is not what you thought it was in the beginning and yes. begin to, you and know. And there perhaps we come on to the next question. If you find yourself in a negative friendship that is, doesn't seem to be redeemable, what's the best way to get out of it? Yeah. Um, if, the, if that, and that can, that can happen where, whereby your perception of the relationship was one and and as often the case that illusion about the the relationship the you begin to come into that state of disillusionment which i think is a is always a very good state to get into because it means that you're coming out of a, an illusion in more into reality um it, it really depends on the circumstances because it really it, it depends on the circumstances of the relationship confrontation can end up being very, very destructive. But so can complete withdrawal without any kind of um, conversation about why. That can also be destructive and very hurtful to the other person. Um, so you can, with both confrontation and withdrawal, so going into you know, the fight or the flight in the relationship may not be the best, um, the best way out. What I would... Um, often recommend is is there some kind of middle ground that you can go whereby you can express some of what's gone on but gently um, without accusation and without anger and gently withdraw from the relationship at the same time so if you can find that middle ground it probably would work out better in the long run but sometimes what you need to do depending and that's why I'm saying it really depends on the relationship sometimes confrontation can really work in terms of you, you get the thing off your chest, you stand up for yourself. And sometimes what you need to do is just completely withdraw from the situation as well and just cut off all contact. Because, but it, you see, that really depends on the scenario. Yeah. But, and of course, that can be very uh, difficult. Someone who just withdraws from a friendship without any explanation yeah. can be very, very difficult for the other friends, oh, you know, the other the other party not just not knowing what happened yeah um, yeah and and as a result it can because of the fact that they don't know what happened it can actually make whatever the conflict was in the first place worse yes um, and and make them find it harder to trust new friendships perhaps yes, in the future so it can absolutely. be a very ongoing thing yeah. so if if you can go for that middle ground it's the most positive way out of a out of a negative friendship if you like um because I think both the confrontation and the withdrawal can just almost put fuel on the fire and, and create, you don't really want, most of us don't really want to create enemies out of people. Um, if the friendship isn't working for you, in some way, it, taking ownership for your part in it and slowly withdrawing is probably the best thing, best way out of it, if you can do that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, here's a, a different sort of perspective on friendship. Um, someone whose friends are bullying them, uh, what should they do about that? Um, again, it depends on the scenario. Um, people, it, it, it goes back to the, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about um, a negative friendship, again, is it intentional? Are they, they trying to make a point? People bully in order to get their needs met. Um, and sometimes people 
put up with bullying because it's familiar, um, because they've been bullied in the past or something like that. And they don't actually see the, the negative consequences of what's, what's happening in that scenario. Um, again, it depends. Uh, sometimes standing up for yourself to the bully can be a very strong um, thing to do. It can really help you develop strength and courage and help you build that resilience for the future. Again, it, it depends on the scenario. Um, sometimes just backing off is the, is the more sensible thing to do and actually deciding I don't really want to be friends with these people who, you know, who are siding with the bully and who's bullying me. Um, so really, really, again, depends on the, on the circumstances. Um, yeah. And it depends, it, it depends on whether the individual has got other friends in their lives that can support yes. That's um, very key, isn't it? Yes. Because that's yes. one of the reasons why somebody will stay in because they're the only friends they have and they're, they're too vulnerable. And this is, goes back to what we were saying earlier about not putting all your eggs in one basket, yeah. Um, yeah. having but, other friends you can rely on. Something you said that really resonated though, I, something I hadn't really thought of, that, that we, uh, in any friendship, we sort of get into a groove and if that mm. groove is that one person is perceived as, I'm thinking back to school days, perhaps, you know, there's the, the much prettier, cleverer person with the other, the friend tagging along. And of course, that's very clear at, at school age, but it can, that, that can go into adulthood um, and can be a sort of a rut, if you like, a friendship rut that mm. perhaps there needs to be a rebalancing of at some point. Yeah, because we because we've always been in this, you know, if you feel like you're you're not as good as or you're not as pretty as or whatever, um you you you'll get into a pattern of being the second fiddle, if you like, in a yes. in a relationship, which sounds like what you're suggesting. Yeah. You've got the you've got the main person, you've got their sidekick. So you become the sidekick all the time to someone. And you might and that's one of the really important things in in therapy is to look and see is there a pattern here yeah. is there you know have is there a pattern here going back to school when you know you hung around with jane because she was the the pure pretty one and you got attention through her by being her sidekick um or her second fiddle or you know wingman isn't that what they term it sometimes yes. <laughs> um, and, and so because you got your needs met through that kind of a dynamic of a relationship, then that continues. And maybe um, what might be more useful is to have a friendship where you're not necessarily the, the wingman anymore. You're yes, there comes a point where you want to grow out of that. Yeah. But you maybe can't grow out of it with that same friend. That yeah. Maybe needs to. And you might, yeah, where you, get, you have a, a friendship on a different dynamic. Um, where you're both equal, um, which would be much more useful for you. So, which brings us neatly on actually to this, the question of jealousy. Is jealousy common in friendship? And how can you prevent this from destroying that friendship? Perhaps jealousy. a work colleague got promoted, which we've spoken about, or a friend's getting married or get, has become pregnant, and that's something you're jealous of. Oh, it, it, Jealousy, I always think jealousy gets such bad press because when we act out of jealousy, um, oftentimes we are very destructive. Um, but jealousy is a very, very common human emotion. Um, and of course, we can be jealous of 
that someone is getting something that we would really like. And really, what's, what's really, I think, I think one of the really important things is not to demonize jealousy. It's, it's there from probably the day you were born. Um, that if you were born, if you have one other sibling, um, it's a very natural thing that there's a, a rivalry between siblings on the, uh, to get attention from parents. Um, so it's a very normal, natural thing. And I think it can be used negatively and it can be used positively like anything. Emotions are neutral. They're, they're neither positive or negative. It's, it's what we do with those emotions that really counts. And of course, jealousy can cause all sorts of destruction in friendships. But what, how we can utilize jealousy is it can really help to act as the signpost. If I'm really jealous of the fact that you've now got a promotion or that you've now got a boyfriend, it's a signpost that I really want that. I want a boyfriend. I want a partner. I want, I want a promotion. Yeah, so, so use it as an image of what you'd like rather than... Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's a signpost. It's just telling you, I would really like this. And rather than then um, using the jealousy to, to be destructive towards your friend, if you can use it and say, um, you know, my friend has got a promotion. I'd really like a promotion. I'd like more responsibility. Then you can actually use jealousy in a very, very constructive way to say, well, that's a need competence and achievement is a need that has not been met in me how can I meet that need how can I take responsibility for my own reactions and my own own emotions um, and utilize that and, and ensure that I get my own needs met so yes it's common it, and it's common that it's destructive but it can be really constructive and not to demonize it um, I really think it's important that we see it as a kind of a signpost Oh, I really like that way of looking at it, actually. Thank you, Sue. Yes. Um, here's one that I think we've partially covered, really. But how do you move on from past arguments or disagreements? Um, we have, yeah, um, I think really um, past arguments or disagreements, again, if you can really own your side of it, reframe the argument or disagreement that you had, um, Reframe it by really trying to step into the other person's shoes and seeing where they were um, at that time. And, and really accept that we're all flawed. Um, what comes to mind, I'll give you an example of a friendship I had where, whereby my friend many years ago um, really behaved extremely badly on a holiday we were on and um, got extremely stressed. She was going through a lot of stress at the time. Um, she's gone through a lot of stress with her work and she took that out on me by attacking me. Um, and it was, it was one of those really difficult things because I, you know, I really had never seen this side of my friend before. But in, in being able to reframe it, that she was under a huge amount of stress at the time, I really don't think that she meant what she said at the time to me because I'm, I was very aware of how that friendship um how that friendship had evolved and her respect for me and my respect for her and been able to reframe it that it was and was, and was that something you managed at the time or was it did it, it take it, a... took, it didn't it didn't happen overnight Julia. No. Um, <laughs> it took it took um it took quite a lot of time for me to reframe it but also then to really begin to build up trust again um and to be aware that if she is under stress, 
if she's under severe stress, and I know this woman very well, and she can get very, very stressed when it comes to her security and her, her work, that she is liable, like, like any human, to, to lash out. So it, it's almost like I got to a point of being able to understand her better and understand how to protect myself better. Um, and and to, to be aware that it's not personal. She wasn't, she would have attacked anybody who was there at that time. Um, yeah. It wasn't specifically me. It was yeah. anybody who was there at that time. She was there. So and, and, in, in fact, there's in, an element of we attack the people who we feel absolutely can, can cope with yeah. it best or are closest to us. Yes. And we have so. been, you know, we have been able to to move beyond that and to move to a point whereby we can um we can just be friends again um, and and to be able to kind of have enough tolerance and compassion for the humans to know that we're all flawed that under enough stress we're all going to behave badly and can you within your friendship can you actually contain that within the friendship and can you you know can you give give other people a bit of slack um which i think Sometimes we can, we can get very black and white and go, well, I'm not going to drop with that kind of behaviour and I'm not going to see her ever again and how dare she? But I think a little bit of tolerance and compassion that we're all, we're all flawed and we, you know, under enough stress, we're all going to behave badly. So if I can actually reframe her bad behaviour and, you know, move past it, maybe she can do the same for me when inevitably I'm going to get really stressed at some point and maybe I'm not going to behave the best. Um, and she can forgive me. Um, and I, I think um, it does test the level of a friendship. So something like going on a journey springs to mind where you're suddenly cooped up in a, you know, a ship cabin or a, a long journey yeah. train or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And um, a, a friendship that hitherto perhaps you've only ever met for a few hours uh, to play squash indeed or for a, a, a suddenly you're on this in this confined space for yeah. a long time and that can really uh, show but it, it I I like what you've said about the perfection and thing you know none of us is perfect and okay. indeed the friendship is never perfect so it's yeah. that that bandwidth that leeway to make mistakes yeah. and they're you know are they good enough like yeah. with the, well like with a partner are they good enough I mean yes um, yes there's one mistake yes. one one meltdown because that's what it was one meltdown you know, can I, can, is the friendship big enough and am I big enough to contain that and assume it's not going to happen again? No, if it keeps happening, it's a completely different thing. Um, yes. Now, and that brings on the, to the next question, actually, Sue, if you keep making the same mistakes, well, what can you do to change? Well, one of the things, and that's, again, all part of, you know, the human givens approach and part of what we talk about on the, on that uh, improving relationships day is looking at the patterns. Is there a pattern here where you keep making the same mistake with friends, where you keep putting up with people who are, are overly emotional and who are taking all of that anger out on you? Are you, do you keep, are you keep going into the same pattern? And that's one of the really important aspects of therapy is to begin to recognize um, there's a pattern here and I have a responsibility in that pattern. I keep choosing the same kind of dysfunctional kind of relationships. Yes. And what can I do? It's not about blaming the other person because that's the first, the first thing we tend to do is, well, that friend is, you know, 
I'm going to get away from that friend. And then we pick another friend and the same pattern begins to happen. At some point, we need to see that there's something within us that needs to change. And that might be um, with one person is becoming more tolerant and for somebody else it might be becoming less tolerant of other people's bad behavior. It really depends. What's the pattern? And when we can see the pattern, we can make, begin to make changes out of that. But until we see the pattern, we're not going to be able, we just walk straight into it again. Yeah, so it's that being able to stand back, perhaps with the benefit of a therapist to help and, and look at the situation or the situations. Yeah. Am I always attracting codependent or narcissistic people? Or yeah. do I have to improve my social skills? What's just, Am I always playing second fiddle? It's seeing that pattern, isn't it? It is. It's been able to step into your observing self as you say, sometimes with the help of a therapist, because um, sometimes it's just, you're so emotional about it that it's difficult to step into your observing. So I've been able to step back and look and see, is there a pattern here? And if there is a pattern, what can I do about it? Is again, if there's a pattern, we're, we're all affected by our own patterns and our own pasts. It's not that anybody's to blame or anybody's wrong or that there's some shame in what it's but it, because again, if somebody keeps ending up in, in uh, narcissistic kind of relationships, sometimes people feel great shame in that, that they've caused it in some way. There's no shame in it. It's okay. So let's look and see, you know, what's happening and how come you're staying in these relationships um, with these people and what can we do about it? And how, yes. can we help, how can we help you stand back and recognize that type of person again in the future? Recognize yes. the pattern of that person and so, maybe decide not to, be, not to go into a friendship with them in the future and have some more choice about it. That's the work so it, so it's, it, it's back to looking at your needs and how you're getting hmm. them met. So it's yeah. possible that you're, you're getting a need met in the wrong, in seeking out the wrong sort of Absolutely. relationship. Absolutely. And, I, the analogy I often use um, um, with, with some of my, my clients in therapy is if your need for attention hasn't been met and is, um, your need for attention is very strong um, because it's not being met, it's like the analogy I use, it's often like it's like a really hungry person. Um, and a hungry person will eat the chips out of the bin yeah. if you're really starving. Um, somebody who's not really starving might make a better choice and decide, well, I don't want the chips out of the bin. I, I prefer a nice salad or something, something healthier. They can make a choice about it. But somebody who's starving will just, I need food. Yes. And it's the same with friendship. If you have no friends in your life, you will accept anybody who gives you some kind of attention because yes. it's, it's like, it's the same as the, the starving person. They take the chips out of the bin. So. And, and that goes back, I, I'm again seeing a school playground where for the lonely child, the bully is, more, is better attention than nothing. Absolutely. So that can become yeah. quite a complex relationship there. Absolutely. Because, yes, yeah. yeah, at least I'm getting it. To, because really what, what we know from psychology is the best kind of attention is positive attention, but the worst is no attention at all. Yeah. Um, so if there's a choice between, if, if you can't get positive attention and, and no attention is so horrendous for children and for adults, for people, we will accept negative attention because it's better than nothing. Yeah, yeah. Which actually, uh, mentioning loneliness, 
uh, here's a question that puts a different spin on that. I have a lot of friends, but I still feel lonely. Is this common and what, you know, what's going wrong there? It may be the level of friendship that they have um, with, it, it, it's difficult to know. Um, it may be the level of friendship that maybe they don't have an intimate friend. Um, yes. That, and we, and it, going back to that whole thing of intimacy, um, oftentimes we think of intimacy as a partner, um, but it, intimacy is really about where you can be totally and utterly yourself. You can, you can, you're accepted, warts and all. So it may be that this person who's asked this question has lots and lots of friends who are maybe there for pleasure or for utility, but when it comes to intimacy, they feel they can't be intimate with any of their existing friends. So yes, it is quite common. Yes, and as I you say, we're not talking physical intimacy here. We're, no. we're talking about the emotional warts and all, emotional. Yeah, emotional yes. intimacy. And I think that um, oftentimes, you see, friendships have to go through various different stages in order to get to that intimacy. And I think sometimes people... Um, through some kind of anxiety or through something in the past just can't allow themselves go to that level of vulnerability that is required to have an intimate relationship and right result, so it all stays a bit surface a bit yeah the, the, the level of pay, playing squash sort of level yeah and therefore you, you still friends. feel lonely yes yeah because maybe through something that happened in the past that they they are just so afraid of being hurt or they were hurt so badly through some relationship in the past, they were that um, the anxiety about that happening again just it just they can't get over that roadblock of um, it may happen again in the future. So they kind of keep everybody at arm's length in a way. And of course, the thing we haven't mentioned at all here is the social media aspect of friendships, mm. which is definitely at arm's length, isn't it? So oh, yeah. uh, this final question for today, how is social media affecting our friendships? Well, I, th I think it's giving us a level of attention um, that is, is, um, is not very satisfying. So it's almost like the, the level of attention we're getting through social media fools us into thinking we're getting that need for attention met when we're not in actual fact so it it has all the hallmarks of an addiction whereby we keep going back to something with the idea that it's going to meet my needs but it doesn't it meets them to a certain extent fools us that it's that it's that it's healthy but in actual fact can leave us feeling um, bereft it is very similar to the last question. It's like you have that lots of friends, but no, nobody whereby you really feel that intimate connection. And really yes. when it comes down to it, human beings need connection with other human beings. Yes, and, reality, it, and it kind of needs to be face-to-face. Face-to-face and in reality and in the world, not yeah. through a screen. Yes, um, and not, not glossified and airbrushed as yeah. a lot of social media can be. Yeah. Yeah. And not, you know, only the, the positive aspects of my life or, you yes. know, you need, to, you need to have a relationship with somebody in the round, if you like, yeah. all aspects of them. Um, I often think uh, I, uh, the, the sort of social media 
thing is a bit like do you remember the the Christmas letters we used to get from people and they were always oh. rather annoying where you know this year our family's done this that yeah. and the other and aren't we wonderful yeah. and, and and that's kind of once once a year for Christmas you could have a bit of a laugh of it, at it but when it's constant through social yeah. media that can really affect how that's, one feels. That's a very good analogy it is a very good analogy or the postcards you get from people on holidays we're having a wonderful time yes you know, often yes. wonderful place. But in actual fact, when you really look at what's going on, they're all having rows of one another. Yes. Can't wait to go home. Now, Sue, that's the end of our questions. Is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap up? Um, no. Um, I think the whole area, the only thing I'd say is the whole area of relationships and friendships is a really, really interesting um, area. And it's something that people people can kind of grapple with and um, find difficult. But in actual fact, once there's a bit of clarity around um, expectations and different types of relationships and dual relationships, it can really, really help people um, clarify what's going on and what they need to do to look after themselves and to nurture the positive relationships and friendships they have in their lives. Um, because it is, it's not just all, all about our own needs, it's about actually nurturing the friendships and the groups and finding ourselves um, really um, meeting our needs and helping other people meet their needs as well. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a fascinating area. I find the whole area of relationships absolutely fascinating. It is, um, isn't it? And, and something that's just occurring to me, actually, uh, or has done over the last few years is well, uh, when we're young, we're very much sort of led to believe that the pinnacle of friendship is to achieve a full partnership, relationship, marriage, mm. whatever it, it's called. But actually, as I get older, I realise that the, the wider friend, the, the friendship mm. level is so much richer and more rewarding in many ways. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, um, it is. And, and, and much needed, of course. We can't yeah. rely on one person alone no, to supply like everything. I mean, I started off talking about um, Aristotle's three yes. types of friendship, and I, I really love the, that aspect of uh, a friendship based on goodness, of a friendship based on deep respect for another human being and for their integrity. I think it's a wonderful concept. Um, and I think as we get older, that's what we look for, yeah. is, um, is that yes. rather than entertainment or... Um, or passion, yes. Yeah. Well, that's a very good note to, to end on, good, uh, fr the goodness within friendship. Thank you, Sue. Yeah, yeah. And Sue, thank you so much. This has been really interesting for me, and I'm sure our discussion day today will prove helpful to many of our listeners, um, young, old, parents, whatever their, their different relationships that are going on for them at the moment. Um, and of course, it's important that we teach our children about positive friendships as well. So uh, listeners, if you'd like to learn more about why relationships between friends, colleagues, family can go wrong, and most importantly, what you can do to improve matters, Sue's one day course, which is called Improving Relationships at Work, at Home and in the Community, is coming to London on the 30th of April and the 8th of October. And it's also in Bristol on the 9th of August of this year. Now you can find all the details on the college website, which is humangivenscollege.com. We hope you've enjoyed listening to our latest Ask the Expert podcast. 
And if you have, please do share it with anyone you think might find it helpful. Meanwhile, thanks for listening. We hope you have a good day. Bye for now.